This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. The show is all about talking about race, diversity, and everything in between, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic Aotearoa. We talk about all these huge life things through the lens of people's lives and stories. I hope every yarn you take a wee gem from it and expands your heart and mind just a wee bit more. Welcome to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. Um, before I get stuck into this episode, I just wanted to um, say thank you so much. Um, there was lots of aroha from the last episode about um, the issues that I have with um, white ally, uh, allyship. And I was really nervous to put that episode out there, even though I thought the corridor was um, valuable and needed to be um, spoken about, but it was still really nerve wracking um, to put that out. But the um, aroha and the feedback for that has been amazing, um, and yeah, hopefully I can talk more about that in future episodes or um, get into more nuanced and scary conversations like that. Um, but thank you so much for the aroha. Um, this episode, I really want to take some time out to talk about black versus white thinking or this binary thinking that we're kind of being pushed into like this tension between the right and the left and it is something that I have spoken about before um on the show and but I've never really dedicated a full episode to talking about it you know what the kind of sketching out what the problem is um and I think the things that we are losing because of it or the things that we are risking because of it and kind of how that leads to social cohesion um so yeah (laughs) the next um 50 minutes is going to be wild but I really wanted to take some time out to kind of talk about this black and white thinking especially when we're in an election year um and not because I want to influence anyone to think a particular kind of way because I think that would then be me kind of feeding into this binary thinking as well you know I have my own two cents about how I think about the world and on many different levels, you know, on a moral level, economic position, social position, um, political position. Um, but I think a, something that I have really been noticing, especially since COVID and especially since um, the protests last year in Wellington, that there is, I feel like people are being pushed into two camps and these two camps are just really just taking the mickey out of each other. And I think that's a really big problem once you um, see, you know, once you view people on the other side and you have particular, you know, you think you already know them and, and we can't, really live in this black and white like my personal view of social cohesion is that I don't think we all need to think the same way or you know 100% agree on everything or find this middle ground because as I found um, in my personal life sometimes we would just agree to disagree and so I don't think we can rely on us being in agreement to to have social cohesion. But I think to have social cohesion, we need to be able to critically talk with each other. We need to be able to have deep discussion. We need to be able to have that empathy and curiosity for everyone but it's really hard to have that empathy and curiosity and to want to have that desire to have that critical conversation if we're all kind of being pushed into very black and white thinking or like left versus right and um it's a very dangerous thing a very very dangerous thing um I think I have spoken about it before um 
on the podcast, but like when I think about this right versus left, I just can't help but think about the time when I went to go see Jordan Peterson last year when he came to Wellington. And um, for those of you who don't know, Jordan Peterson is a Canadian psychologist um, and very um, famous for that book, 12 Rules for Life. Um, so kind of self-helpy, but then he also um, like has a show on a podcast and a lot of his um, ideals are, you know, probably align more on the conservative side. Um, and I mean, there's, even though I'm not 100% in agreement with how he thinks about the world, um I felt really uncomfortable at his event because A, it felt like everyone there was just like, I felt like I was in a cult, basically. And it was this like big secret cult meeting that I just happened to sneak into. Um, and at the center of this cult was Jordan Peterson, just like absolutely revered. And I think when a human because it's okay to have respect and mad love for people. I mean, if Beyonce was in the room with me, oh my God, the way that, oh, I honestly don't even know what I'd do if I was in the presence of such a queen like that. But when someone has gotten so like elevated in someone's mind like that, where they just automatically agree with what they say, how they think, there's like the chicken balance is gone there's like no point for um that critical discussion will be like oh hang on how do I feel about this when someone's revered like that I think that's already a bit of a um red flag that's dangerous and throughout the whole you know hour and a half or two hours however long it was I mean he would just take the complete mickey out of these quote-unquote woke leftists who are ruining the world or like he kept referencing this leftist agenda that's being forced down our throat and how come we just can't keep it real or we can't talk about it like we used to back in the day like I'm just representing the everyday hard-working person like that's the vibes that it was giving me and there were so many times where he was you know arguing a point um and part of his argument would be just completely ripping apart the left the leftists the woke leftists as he always loved to say and every single time he did that it would just be like roaring laughter from his adoring crowd and and it was, I just thought it was very ironic because the whole time, you know, or he started off the evening talking about it's so important to have critical discussion. I love having deep discussion. And the whole time I was thinking, well, you actually, there has been no critical discussion. Like your discussion has just been based on ripping apart the left, which I don't think is any kind of discussion at all. Like I haven't been challenged. I haven't learned anything new. Um, and that kind of thinking, I feel like, is what is um, really encouraged. And even if you look at um, the, like comment sections these days, it's always kind of feeding into this either woke leftists or like a horrible, um, horrible right wing like conservative people like the characterizations are insane and um so I feel like there is this um overarching battle between you know between lefts and 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 rightists and then I saw this tweet and I thought it was um very telling of like the times and it was under the hashtag um hashtag woke free europe and this tweet um was made by the i feel like i'm going to say this incorrectly but the matthias corvinus collegium 
MCC, Centre for European Studies. And the quote said this, um, the EU must be a safe space free of cancel culture. The rampant and noxious woke culture must be eradicated. Woke terminology such as intersectionality, unconscious bias, gender assigned at birth shall be banned, especially in official documents. The commission must remain neutral instead of promoting top-down um, minoritarian ideologies and imposing solutions in areas it has no competencies. Wokeism is at odds with the European way of life, its history and its culture. There must be no place for wokeism in Europe. Hashtag woke free Europe. So let's unpack um, this tweet a bit more. So this idea that woke culture, which is, um, even though it isn't directly said in this tweet, you know, in line with the left culture, must be eradicated and this terminology shall be banned and then there's this idea that we must remain neutral and and this is where I think this binary thinking or like this right versus left is really bringing us down because us as a collective like everyone um, in society because now there's no way to really talk about the issues at hand it's like because I think it's really important that we talk about intersectionality unconscious bias there is a place for that to, to talk about that and then personally I think sometimes cancel cancel culture has gotten a bit too much but do you see that because there is this characterization of the left and there's this characterization of the right. Everything has kind of been lumped together. And when it's lumped together like that, it really um, diminishes things, devalues things, um, removes important conversations that actually really need to be had. Um, and even though I don't have like an example coming from the left-hand side, um, just anecdotally, um, there is this characterization of the right. Um, and so there is this push and pull between these two sides that actually, yeah, don't really see each other. And not only do they not see each other, there is this huge characterization um, and it really takes away um, important conversations that need to be had. And I want to get more in depth with that um, by just kind of talking more about this tweet that I just read out. And so there is this huge moot push at the moment, I think, to delegitimize the left-hand side um, and I think that is really 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 dangerous um, really really dangerous and um, and I think for me this is kind of off tangent but this is something that I do think about quite a lot especially in relation to this podcast like I never want this podcast to be um pushing a certain ideology like it's okay if you listen to something and you're like I actually I really don't agree with that and and that's fine or I don't um you know to me that's not something that is a value of mine and that actually is absolutely fine like I never want this podcast to seem like I'm pushing a certain agenda I think what the co-papa behind this the podcast is to open up conversations, um, to talk about things that aren't often spoken about, to hear about voices that aren't really often heard in the norm, um, and to talk about things at a different angle, um, to talk about things in a different way, to talk about things that honor communities, um, priorities, needs, wants that aren't often prioritized and in hopes of sharing this this new way this different way then people can kind of come to their own conclusions um yeah 
that's essentially the yeah that's essentially the co-papa of this podcast and you know I am very mindful that I, I don't want to push an agenda and I just want to open up open this up to conversation or I hope that this podcast is a way to open up that conversation for yourself and um this happened very early on um when I first started the the podcast many many years ago um but someone messaged me after I made an episode um around the Samoan cartoon um that was in ODT and it really um played on the stereotypes um, that we have of Pacific peoples in Aotearoa. And, you know, so I spoke up and I made an episode about it and someone messaged me and they were very displeased about that and felt as if I was, I mean, they didn't directly say it, but I think they got, they felt as if I was um, unfairly characterizing the people that worked at ODT and, um, I'll never forget that moment. It was, I think, even though I will still stand by what I said in that episode all those years ago, um, it was an interesting teaching moment. Um, and I, I really never want the podcast to feel like I'm pushing a certain agenda. I really want people to come together um, and use this as a tool to further develop that conversation um, with yourself. Because I think – and this happens for everyone, but I think what happens is we absorb everything that that is around us in our environment. And if you don't go out of your way to rethink or to challenge how you think about this world, you will absorb what has been passed on to you by default. And there are some things in this world that have been set up that continually um, disadvantage certain communities and if or even just how you think about the world like if you don't critically think about it um, you just will be very surprised I think by how much you just do absorb um, and again this is kind of off tangent but I just remember I was talking to one of my friends many many moons ago and we were just talking about like um, dating and um, like dating preferences and stuff like that and um, you know she's also a woman of color and we were talking about how um, you know sometimes she not sometimes all the time she 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 holy she's certified holy um, but you know sometimes she gets um, approached by Pakiha men who you know, they are obviously very clearly attracted to her, but are so confused by their attraction. They just, like, don't know how to handle it. And, or, you know, they clearly, they haven't had that conversation with themselves around, you know, who they find attractive and why they find them attractive and stuff like that. And and I think living in a Western world, we're very much programmed unless you go out of your way to challenge that level of thinking. But we are programmed to, you know, think about any fe – the features that are closer to whiteness uh, more attractive. Um, and, you know – it may sound really bold saying that out loud, but, you know, facts are facts. And, you know, research has shown that, you know, regardless of country, black women um, are commonly and universally um, often seen as, you know, the most unattractive group. And I think there is no coincidence there. So if we just kind of reel it back and go back to what I was trying to say, I think, there are so many things about this world and how we see the world that if we don't go out of our way to critically think about that or challenge that, we just so absorb. We just absolutely absorb. And and the same goes for me. Like I am someone who, I think because of the podcast and just the mahi that I do with the show, I'm always thinking about things like, inclusivity, social inclusion, intersectionality, bias, all of these types of things. And 
every single time I am challenged, it's because there is um, attention or there is this like very sharp, painful awakening that there was something that I assumed, there was something that I've absorbed and I haven't had a chance to have that conversation with myself. And and that is a, yeah, it's a painful realization. So what I'm trying to say is that I think the way that we have been living, it's not serving all of our communities. The way the current systems are set up, it's not serving all of our communities. And if we ever want to have social cohesion and we want to have conversations and make changes that do make it possible that our systems work for all communities, I think we need to move away from that left versus right. It's we lose so much because of it. Um, and so I'm just going to go through the things that we lose because of that black and white thinking. Um, the first thing that we lose is the ability to have any kind of critical discussion. And this is what happens when, you know, you have a certain idea of, because, you know, you're introducing this mentality of, them versus us like me on the side of the fence and then there's the other people on the other side of the fence and you know when people are othered like that there's no opportunity to be empathetic or curious there's no opportunity to ask questions to then have a deeper critical discussion because assumptions are already made um people assume they know how you feel about xyz people know assume how you um will approach certain topics how you see the world how you know where your values and morals lie and so instead of coming into the conversation with the idea of okay let's um deconstruct let's unpack and then kind of see where we go the idea is um you are in direct competition with how I feel about the world you are on the other side so my aim is just to bring you down as much as possible and um when we get into that space of just like I'm going to bring you down you are constantly wrong um because you know you don't think of the world the same you don't see the world the same way I do when we're in that like when we're in that kind of headspace I feel like that's not really a space for a space for conversations to thrive it's just like a constant tennis ball match of like you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong and you see this a lot <laughs> you see this a lot and I I well I hope well I hope I'm not like this anymore um but I definitely now that I'm really talking about it I definitely used to be in that headspace like anyone who automatically had very different ideals about how I saw the world you were in direct competition you were threatening the way that I view viewed the world and I would rip people apart in conversations and I don't know what I thought would be would happen on the as a result of you know ripping that person apart I think it was just misdirected passion like I'm I am glad that I was so passionate about my values and morals and such but it was definitely misdirected passion and it would just yeah be the aim of ripping that person apart because they were a threat essentially um and so there was no critical discussion there and you see it 
like yeah you just see it once you are really aware of it you just see it everywhere it's like no ability to kind of have that critical discussion and I'm particularly sensitive to it especially on the internet and I think we just cannot deny the role that the internet plays as um as an information source and there are so many um, platforms on the internet and all of the discussions like it just seems like it gets reduced into this like tennis ball match um kind of vibe and that again is not critical and the place that I am really sensitive to it the most is like those um there are some like there are some really really good examples of of these types of videos but sometimes they just get um so like messy but you know those types of videos where they have people who like come from you know, different walks of life come together to discuss something. Like there was one that I watched recently and I was like, oh my God, that was so messy. And like for this exact reason where they actually were just trying to pull each other down and actually have a conversation. Um, and it was um, your different types of women coming together to talk about um, feminism and feminism and what it looks like in 2022 or whenever it was recorded I think it was just it came out last year um and it was messy for like that exact reason and I felt like that conversation as a whole it was just not critical it was not progressive it very much was like tit for tat and trying to pull people down so we yeah with this black and white thinking we are losing that critical discussion um the next two things I will discuss them separately but they are um kind of in a similar vibe which is a I think um with this black and white thinking we're getting distracted and we're also losing our checks and balances and to talk about this a bit more I just want to go back to that tweet um, about the EU. You know, the EU must be a safe space free of cancel cancel culture. The rampant and noxious woke culture must be eradicated as well as the woke terminology. So there is very much this movement of delegitimizing um the left movement um and i think this delegitimization it really we're getting distracted from the key things that actually really need to be changed and um when I say getting distracted, you know, we, regardless of how you think about the world or where you put yourself on like the political spectrum, we kind of all engage in the same systems. Whether or not these systems work for you, that is an entirely different story, right? But we all kind of interact with the same systems. When we're delegitimizing the left and then then the right I think gets fortified and then that just like further feeds this binary thinking that we have and then because there is so much um, pressure and attention on the left versus right. We are no longer talking about talking about the systems that these said inequalities are, are based on, and I think that is um, a really big problem when when we're so caught up in you know, identity to the point where, you know, most of the energy is then 
focused on you know pulling apart the the other side the unspoken other side i think there is really big issue in that because we are no longer working towards um the root causes of the inequalities which i think often have very little to do with um very little to do with like being caught up in the identity of whether you're more on the left-leaning or right-leaning. Um, it's put channeling the energy into the wrong place because, again, I think for social cohesion or for change to happen, we don't all need to be on the same page. We don't all need to think a particular way. Um, we need to be moving more towards how can we make it a possibility for all communities Um you know, basically, essentially to live their best lives. And and I think this being so caught up in this binary thinking and this back and forth between the left and the right, there actually is very little chance for, um, very little chance to talk about the root causes of, um, of these inequalities to begin with. And they're so embedded in the system. It's like, actually, I think we need to be talking more about the system in itself the next way that i think that we are doing a disservice to ourselves as a society by kind of um allowing this black and white thinking or this like tension between the right and the left is that we're really reducing our checks and balances if that makes sense I think and that's the beauty of diversity and that's the beauty of differences is that again even though we won't ever 100% agree on something I think these different opinions and different ways of looking at the world experiencing the world you know if they all kind of feed into our systems it provides this check and balance because because right now our systems were definitely built with um our most privileged communities in mind and those are the and those are the communities that keep on being served by this system and that continuously keeps on um disadvantaging our minority communities um but i think the wonderful thing in theory right (laughs) in theory right the wonderful thing about this social cohesion or the way that I think about social cohesion is that we can allow all of these differences to kind of feed into how the system impacts people's lives and there's that check and balance there but I think what really scares me the most about this right versus left thinking um and as i was saying before this thinking that um really gets us distracted from the true goal which is changing the system and i think the way that one of the ways that we are getting distracted is this removal of this check and balance and i i found this really awesome paper and it really um it just perfectly words what i'm trying to say or like perfectly speaks to one of my fears about this very black and white thinking and um i'll read it out loud and then we kind of unpack it together right so the abnormalization of social justice um you know by the far right is under guided by these by the distortion of the critiques of the social justice enterprise um and i think we have to be very careful of critiques of the so-called woke culture for example gender and critical race theory um being um remixed to woke and intellectual um liberalism because the anti-woke culture war might instrumentalize and use these well-intended critiques for the benefit of the far right which is to erode the human rights and dignity of gendered racialized and lgbtq people so what they're essentially saying is that these 
critiques uh, have been hijacked and used as tools to further undermine the legitimacy the legitimacy of human rights. So I know that there was a lot of words um, said just now, so let's kind of unpack that together. So as I was saying before, I think we have now formed this identity of like the right and then of the left. And one of the things or one of the specific identities that have been really pushed and fueled by either side is that the left is this running rampant with like woke culture. And the right is kind of an, an opposite to that, is representing this re, this this grounded reality. This this is the real world, and the the woke liberals are just living in in theory. And what happens is with that is that communities that have his, historically and currently um, are marginalized and disadvantaged by the current systems that we have are now put into the same category of rampant wokeness. And so real life things like racism, like um, the devastating effects of the patriarchy, of colonization, of of climate change, are now kind of put into the same category of, um, well, that's all just wokeness it's not real unlike you know the the right hand side it's grounded in this reality this um you know i think the the one of the personalities of this like rampant wokeness is this implication that is unhinged and so therefore there's this implication of the right being very much hinged and and so it really all of these real life things that we should be talking about are now made illegitimate and now made, um, it's so caught up in the identity politics, um, that it erases it as a legitimate thing and erases, um, the intersectionalities. Like one thing that I've noticed, um, and this could be honestly another whole podcast episode, just talking about, um, class, but I feel like it's erased so many real things like our class system that we are living in. So, and so now when it comes to actually making policies and, and, and it comes to talking about the system, instead of making the changes that I think really need to be made, um, it just further fuels the system as it currently stands because, you know, the, the, the real conversations have been erased when we have this tension or when we have this binary thinking between the left and the right and that check and balance is now completely gone, um, which I think is... I think is 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 a it's harmful. It's very very harmful, um, and I think another thing that we are losing is this this fragmentation. This is fragmentation in so many different aspects, right? Um, politically, socially, economically. Um, there's a sense of fragmentation, and with that fragmentation comes um, alienation, which. You know, those two do go together when there are fragments and fragments then alienate from each other, which I think is um, a disservice to this, to social cohesion. And again, not the implication that we all need to like be one big happy family and like agree on the same things and all that kind of stuff but when there is that like them versus us mentality there is this fragmentation and people tend to alienate themselves especially from those who um have different ways of thinking about the world or who who are different and it completely um, reduces it completely reduces um, intersectionality. And to kind of highlight um, 
to kind of highlight this idea of fragmentation and alienation, um, I just want to use the um, kind of unpack identity politics as an example. Um, so there are um, lots of critiques of of identity politics, what it means, who it's for, blah, 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 and its relation to intersectionality. And a student of the legal scholar Kimberley Crenshaw coined the term intersectionality, um, and they they defined intersectionality based on ripping apart critical race theory. And I think that is the problem. There's this misunderstanding and there's this sense of alienation now because critical race theory is not really concerned with the more shallow questions of identity and representation, but actually critical race theory is about the deep structural and systemic questions about discrimination and equality. But because there is this sense of fragmentation, there's now this alienation from each other and um, it just further polarizes um, the left and the right. And then I think as we head, especially into election year, this polarization is definitely being echoed into our information sources, whether you're looking at traditional media or you're looking at the internet. And um, I think that is uh, really scary, actually, because we're no, we're no longer talking about the important conversations that we need to be had. Um, so just kind of to recap, because I felt like I've just gone through a lot, I think this polarization of the left and the right and this you versus them idea that is going on, the things that we are losing from that is we're losing our checks and balances, we're losing a sense of critical discussion, we are, instead of losing, we are getting distracted. We are becoming even more fragmented, um, alienated from each other. And so there's this loss of social cohesion. Um, so I've been talking a lot about um, social cohesion. And I kind of just want to talk about that a little bit more to wrap up this episode because... I think if we wanted to make the system work for everyone and if we wanted to work towards making um, systemic changes on a deeper level, there needs to be some kind of element of social cohesion. And I think traditionally the way that we've thought about social cohesion is that, you know, there needs to be this sense of um, thinking the same or there needs to be this sense of like one big happy family. Um, and I really, I don't think so. And so I'm going to talk about the elements of social cohesion. And then I think the conditions um, that we need for social cohesion. And if you wanted to do more reading about social cohesion, there is this wonderful paper. Um, and it was published in 2021 um, from the Auckland of University or University of Auckland. Oh my gosh, sorry guys. Um, and it's called Sustaining Aotearoa New Zealand as a Cohesive Society. And I think the concept of social cohesion, and it's okay if you like, again, if you're listening to this and you're like, actually, I think about social cohesion in a different way, that's a okay. But I think as we're kind of moving in this post COVID world, um, that has really exacerbated. Um, pressure points that were already there but I think COVID has just really highlighted them and I think there is this real cry for change social cohesion is a really um, important part of that recipe so social cohesion I think the elements of social cohesion or what a socially cohesive behavior looks like is um, kind of this sense of belonging and having a common respect for the rule of law and for civil and human rights. So having this common respect for the rule of law and for civil and human rights. And there is, in that sentence, there's no implication that we all like 
need to agree with each other, but there just needs to be this common respect. The next element of socially cohesive behavior is participation. And, you know, all peoples in Aotearoa are able to participate in all aspects of of our society. Um, and so what kind of conditions do we need for that social cohesion? Um, we need inclusion. Um, and assist, like and this is coming from a systemic level. I think sometimes when we talk about inclusion, it's like, you know, everyone, again, it's like that big happy family vibes. But I think inclusion is coming from this system. So systemically, there are equitable opportunities and outcomes for all peoples in New Zealand. Um, the next condition for that is recognition of all groups and protection from discrimination and harassment and protection of human rights. And then the last condition for a socially cohesive society is um, legitimacy. And this is more coming from the system, having confidence in public institutions that um, act to protect rights and interests um, and having that responsibility to do right by all people in New Zealand. And, you know, even within that um, discussion, like even around the discussion of social cohesion, there's, there's so much there to talk about it. I mean, we could talk about why is it so important to have this critical cohesion, um, to talk about the the role that um, the our diverse societies and communities play, the role that internet and has to play the role of politics and values and emotion and the fact that we um, are living in a colonized world as well. There's another factor in that in social cohesion. So I think Aotearoa, we have a, a really big conversation that lies ahead of us, but you know, I think within this framework of social cohesion, there's this idea that, um, you know, there's this idea that there's this common respect and it's coming from within the system rather than focusing on that us versus them, focusing on um, identity politics that, like, just skips down straight into the deep stuff. And I think the reason why it's important to talk about things from a systemic level is that people are never going to be in agreement. Like there will always, there will be people out there who will always think that it's New Zealand and it can never be Aotearoa. There will be people who couldn't give two hoots about black lives. There's always going to be people that look at the Christchurch terrorist attack and not think that was a horrific, horrific thing to happen in Aotearoa. And I think to spend energy trying to convince those people um, that is a waste of time and energy and actually not super important to social cohesion. I think what people, what impacts people's lives the most are, are direct harms that come from the system. And, and I think this polarization of the left and right, it keeps us staying at the, um, wrong level. Like when it will never allow us to cut through the barriers and kind of talk about things at a deeper level. Um, it, yeah, we just absolutely won't. And I hope that um, the main takeaway from this episode is kind of noticing this polarization of the of left versus right. Like it honestly is 
everywhere. Um, you'll notice it in your social circles. You'll notice it on the internet. Um, you know, watch how the media um, play into it as well with, how, you know, the language that they use and the things and the stories that they choose to highlight. And, you know, as we're heading into an election year, um you know, just notice the language that is used by our politicians and notice the um, language that is used when politicians are, you know, talking about other parties because it kind of feeds into that same energy of us versus them and it never really talks about the deeper issues at hand, um, which I think is is doing a really big disservice, and and then and then another takeaway from this episode is thinking about what social cohesion means to you and what you think it looks like in the context of Aotearoa, um, because there's a lot of things going on in our country um, and a lot of challenges that are happening right now that we need to that we need to tackle um like the growing inequalities um the um, the technology that is coming up that is um that is coming up so quickly and being developed so fast like the other day um I was talking to someone about the role of AI and you know AI we don't know what it's exactly capable of, but if we build it in a way where it's built on biased and racist ways of thinking, of profiling people, um, what further damage are we adding um, to this world? Um, we're also living with climate change and environmental degradation. And there's so many other pressures. And I think, especially for Aotearoa, we need to acknowledge um, the... We need to acknowledge titiriti, um, how to honour it, how, what does it look like um, to be bicultural but to have a multicultural um, society as well. And if we're to truly tackle all of these conversations and to have... Um, deep systemic changes I think we need to um, be very careful and mindful of this polarization of the left and the right that is happening because we don't live life in the black and white and we don't live life either on the left or on the right Um, that's just not possible and I think that is Get keeping us distracted from the true conversations to be had and it's really erasing um, legitimate problems of deep inequalities um, when we when we um, boil it down to just the woke left being rampant or being too woke or we're too busy trying to cancel each other when we should be having the deep conversations at hand so um i hope you took away a nugget or two from this episode and thank you for tuning in to another episode of headscarves and good yarns thank you for tuning in into another episode of headscarves and good yarns to keep spinning the yarns let us know your thoughts you can find us on facebook and instagram at headscarves and good yarns or email us at headscarves and good yarn at gmail.com This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.